Welcome, friends, to our second season of the Reynolds Rap Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Reynolds, and this podcast is meant to encourage and bless you as you seek to live an authentic life in Christ Jesus. If you haven't already done it, please hit that subscribe button to get updates on original content each week. And also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, and online at rayreynoldsrap.com. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hey there, rappers. It is good to be with you again today. Thank you so much for tuning into the program, and I hope that it is a blessing to you every single time you have an opportunity to listen to this positive and practical podcast. You know, one of the privileges I have as a minister uh, is to be able to work with some great congregations, and each congregation I've worked for has had some unique works that have been a tremendous blessing to either the community or possibly even to the entire world through various ministries and missions. And my time here at Summerdale, I've had the privilege of working with Billy Lambert in the Getting to Know Your Bible program. And if you haven't checked that out, you need to do that. Go to gettingtoknowyourbible.com and you can see uh, the platforms we're on. You can see us on Daystar, Cowboy Channel, GBN, a lot of other places uh, online. Uh, We're on the YouTube channel, so go check those out. And in the time I've been able to work with uh, this program for the past few months, Billy's been down because of his back surgery, and uh, the, I was asked to guest host a few programs. So I wanted to pause uh, for from the live recordings and give you one of these programs. Now, if you if you follow the program, you may have already heard this one or seen it before on YouTube. But I just felt like it was good for us to share it and on this this broadcast to encourage you a little bit. So uh, this is one of those broadcasts. I hope you enjoy it. As a Christian, one of the books I love to study the most is the book of Acts. I think one of the reasons why I love to study this great book is because Luke, the author of this book, intended for people to see the actions and the work of the early church. During the Gospels, as we read through, we see the ministry of Jesus and him training 12 disciples to prepare for ministry once he was gone. And Acts tells us the story of 11 of those men and how they successfully taught people and brought them to Christ and established churches all around the world. Adding one more to the 12 there in the first and second chapter, we see the church growing from Jerusalem very quickly. If you've studied the book of Acts, then you are familiar with one of those characters named Saul of Tarsus. He's later called Paul in this great book and was a companion and a traveler of the author of this book, Dr. Luke. And as Luke and Barnabas and Silas and even John Mark for a short period of time worked alongside Paul, we get to see a lot of great things that he did in this book called Acts or the Acts of the Apostles. Also, we know, and I hate to get too far ahead of ourselves, but this man, Saul of Tarsus or Paul, ends up writing most of our New Testament. So we get acquainted with the way he teaches and the people that he brought to Christ. I want us to go back to the very beginning. As we open our Bibles and we look at chapter 8 in the book of Acts, we learn about this character named Saul of Tarsus. And I want to share a lesson with you today entitled, Saved Like Saul. This man went through a great deal throughout his life. Early on, we learned some about the way that he lived his life as a strict Pharisee and as someone who is extremely conservative worked for the Sanhedrin, and apparently had power uh, within his grasp to arrest and to bring back to Jerusalem people who were following the way or following Christianity. In Acts chapter 8, we read of the story of a man named Stephen, and he gives a great sermon 
here in this section of Scripture. And we can go back and begin to read in 6 and 7 and 8 of these men who were serving the church in their communities there in Jerusalem and nearby. Stephen, among those in that group, began to preach to the Jews. And of course, if you've read through the previous chapters, you know that his preaching got him in some hot water. And in fact, not only that, he was taken and he was stoned and killed. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 7 and beginning in Acts chapter 8 that this man that we're going to talk about today, Saul of Tarsus, was a part of that persecution, not only of Stephen, but also of Christians in the early church. At the end of chapter 7, we read that as they were stoning Stephen to death, that they laid their coats at the feet of a man named Saul of Tarsus. Saul, of course, by taking their coats means that he was instructed to basically hold something while they did something very cruel and then to return it back to them, showing his participation in this event. When we go to chapter 8 and verse 1, it says, Now Saul was consenting to his death, that is Stephen mentioned in the previous chapter. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And a devout man carried Stephen, a devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made lamentation over him. And then we come to this verse, which is key to understanding chapter 9. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 3, it says, As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Now we have a little gap there from the end of that verse to the beginning of chapter 9. But we know that in the gap there, while Philip is preaching in Samaria and great things are happening around the world, the persecution had led people into hiding. And as they were hiding, it was Saul's job to go and find them. So you might think of him as an investigator. You might also think of him almost doing work as what we would consider to be a vigilante. He's going out and he's finding people that he thinks are not following God the way that they should. And he is then taking them and shackling them and dragging them, literally the text says, to prison. And in their imprisonment, if found guilty, some of them would be put to death, just like Stephen was. And so this persecution was probably much worse than we could even imagine. And Saul, being a leader of some kind, from the Sanhedrin, whether he was a member of the Sanhedrin or not, is up to some debate. But we know that he had authority from them. And that authority allowed him to go to, it says, every house. Anyone who considered themselves to be a Christian, anyone who it was rumored to have said to have been a Christian, Paul would go interrogate them and then help in their imprisonment. As we come to Acts chapter 9, it's pretty clear that not only in Jerusalem, but some of the other cities, there were people that were following Jesus. They were following the disciples and steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, as it says in Acts chapter 2. So Saul decides to head into a new region of town or new region of the area to find people that claim to be of the way. And so I want to begin with you in Acts chapter 9. Now as we do this, I want you to see that Saul is in error. Saul is in wrong. Saul is not following Jesus. He's not following the way. And desperately, we, as we read the book, want to see Saul get his life right. Saul, no doubt, even though he thought he was saved, was not. He was outside of Christ. To have salvation is to be in Christ. 
Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he goes on to say, no one can come to the Father except through him. In fact, here in the book of Acts, we see that Jesus is the only way, the only name by which one could be saved. And so while Saul is rejecting Christ and persecuting Christians, he is truly lost. This chapter tells us how Saul went from lost to saved. How can I, how can you be saved like Saul? Well, we're going to see some things that he did that did not save him, and we will see the one thing that he does do that does save him. Let's go through the text together, beginning in verse 1. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priests and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, that's what they called the Christians, were whether, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he, verse 3, journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. I'm going to go ahead and read the whole text, and then we'll come back and, and dissect it and look at it more clearly. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then, he, then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now, let me pause here for a moment and notice a few things that Saul does that are somewhat encouraging to us in his conversion story, but do not equate to salvation. The first thing that we see here is found in verse 3, that he no doubt is on a path towards destruction. He's lost. He's outside of Christ. And the Bible tells us that he saw a bright light. Now, I've had people before tell me that they've seen things before. They've had a bright light shine around them before, that they've seen things that they feel like is a sign to them that maybe they're being blessed by God, that maybe that they are saved. Well, there's a light that shines around Saul here. It's clear that Saul is not saved, and it would be great to have some kind of an amazing thing happen in our lives like this, but it didn't save Saul. In fact, it was just the moment of contact that was allowing him to get a message. And it's very rare, by the way, in the book of Acts for something like this on this scale of a miraculous way to happen to a man. But we see here God is saying, Jesus is saying to him, there's something he needs to do. And we're going to get there in a moment. But he sees a bright light. The second thing we notice here in verse 4 is he hears a voice. In fact, not only any voice, he's hearing the voice of Jesus Christ. Now that's very interesting. In fact, we're going to learn later on in the book of Hebrews that it is by the mouth and by the words of Christ that we need to hear. In fact, as we've read before so many times throughout the Gospels, there are times that people are talking about Jesus's words. Jesus says in the Gospel of John, we're going to be judged by his words. And here we have a man 
who has been in, has encountered, has physically encountered Jesus, but that doesn't save Saul, does it? That is not the moment where Saul receives salvation. Being able to have a conversation with God, having a conversation with Jesus himself was not part of the salvation experience. It was simply one step to move him in the direction that Saul needed to go. Later on, after Paul, as he's called in later stories, is converted, he will even say to his followers in Galatia, you know, even if an angel comes to you and gives you a message, don't believe it. We see here Jesus is speaking to him, but that's not what saves Saul. Notice also here in the next part of verse 5 and verse 6, he has a conversation with God. Now that, again, another really neat part of the story, isn't it? Saul gets to talk to God. He gets, not only does God talk to him, Jesus talked to him, he has a conversation with him. I've had people before tell me that they, they feel like they've heard a voice. They feel like they've talked to someone. Now, I certainly don't want to be harsh and, and critical of someone who says that they're constantly having hearing voices and things like that, but I'll tell you, it sure didn't save Saul to hear voices that he even thought or as confirmed here from Jesus, that didn't save him. This is simply a part of the story. And it is unique, in fact, because Jesus had to call his apostles. In Acts chapter 1, when they replace Judas, they replace him with Matthias after a cast of votes and a, a, a roll, and we would say a roll of the dice. They're casting lots. And Jesus is the one who chose his original 12. So Jesus is going to pick a replacement. He picks Saul of Tarsus. He personally tells him he wants him to be his follower, just as he had done with his disciples earlier when he asked them to follow him. So this conversation with God is one part. Another one, the fourth thing we notice here, is the repentance. So he, he has a conversation with Jesus, and then he is told that he needs to go into town. Notice that in verse 6, he says, what do I need to do? And this is a constant question in the book of Acts. What do I need to do to be saved? And the consistent answer involves baptism. But baptism isn't mentioned here. It's just simply said, you need to go into town. You need to go into town, and you're going to be told what you need to do. And don't get ahead of yourself. If you've read the story, you know the character that's going to come in next. His name's Ananias, and he's going to have the job of telling Saul what he needs to do to be saved. As you continue the story, verse 10 says, Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem, and he's here on authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake." Now, let me pause here again for just a moment and notice a few details. There are some exciting things happening in Saul's life. 
In fact, during the three days, he is praying and he's fasting. He's repenting. He, is, he recognizes he's done wrong. He knows that he's not saved. He wants to do what is right. And so he's praying and he's fasting. Fasting is a sign of repentance. It's a sign of sorrow. It's a sign of, of being recognizing your own weakness. He's humbling himself in the presence of God. And God says this guy is fasting and he's praying. And people will say, well, you know, I've done good works in the name of God. I have, I have sacrificed in the name of God. I have fasted in God's name. That's great. That's wonderful to do those things. But that did not save Saul of Tarsus. He still had not been told what he needed to do to be saved. Then we've got prayer. What more noble thing to do when you realize you've been convicted of sin and you've been on the wrong side of the fence than to pray. He's earnestly praying and fasting for three days. But that doesn't save Saul, does it? Some people say, well, if I just pray, if I just pray really hard, I can be saved. If I ask God, then, then maybe he will, he, maybe then he'll come into my heart. Maybe then he will save me from my sins. But you see, that didn't save Saul on this day. Saul still had not been told what he needed to do to receive salvation. In another twist here, we see in verse 12 that he has in his mind, while he's been sitting there praying and fasting, received a vision from God. Not just the conversation with Jesus at the road, but now he has, during this time, received visions. The visions didn't save Saul. Having conversations with God didn't save Saul. Praying to God, fasting to God, it didn't save Saul of Tarsus. And now he's gotten in a vision, a message. God has told him, notice here in verse 12, he is seeing you. He's seeing Ananias. Why is he seeing Ananias? Because Ananias has the life-saving message. Ananias needs to tell Saul of Tarsus what he needs to do to be saved. I want to notice one more thing before we go to this encounter between Ananias and Saul of Tarsus, and that's what's said in verse 15. What else has the Lord said to Saul in this vision? Well, the Lord has spoke to him during these three days in visions, and he has told Saul, Ananias is going to come tell you what you need to do. Why didn't God tell him what he needed to do? You ever thought about that? Why didn't Jesus just tell him on the road what he needed? Did Jesus have the power to save Saul on the road? Well, absolutely. Could he have saved Saul in any way he wanted? Well, sure he could. But he needed Ananias to do it, which is a consistent pattern throughout the gospel, throughout the book of Acts, that it was necessary for men to teach and to preach. Paul will reflect on this in Romans chapter 10. When he talks about beautiful are the feet of those who take the gospel, where would we be without a preacher, he asks. Someone needs to go and preach. Someone needs to go and proclaim. Why would Jesus call followers if he intended to do the job himself? He says, I need you to go into all the world. Read Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20. Read Mark 16, 15 and 16. Read Luke 24. Read Acts chapter 1. Jesus told his disciples, you have a job to do. And so Ananias is going to fulfill that job. The reason for Jesus' presence, the reason for Jesus' visions and the conversation with Saul was to tell him that after his conversion, he would be, as it says in this text, a chosen vessel. 
You see, Saul, is his, in his prayer and in his fasting, has received these great visions that have told him, your life isn't over. Great things are coming. You're going to be my witness to Gentiles. Maybe even in this moment, he's understanding that his mission was not to drag people out, to take them to prison, but was to lead these individuals that he was persecuting. Jesus even says to him, why are you persecuting me? You can't do that. Why is he persecuting those of the way? And Christians, these are going to be the individuals that he needed to lead. He needed to not only share the gospel with lost people, but he needed to be a minister to people who were saved. So he's being given encouragement. Your life isn't over. Great things are coming. Just wait patiently for the word from Ananias. Now we come to verse 17. And Ananias went his way and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when he received food and was strengthened, then Saul spent days, some days with the disciples at Damascus. Well, now we have this great ending to the story. There's a few more things we might want to note before we talk about what Saul is told to do to be saved. One is we notice here in this text, remember he's a chosen vessel of God. We notice that in verse 15 and 16. And now he realizes that with the message Ananias has, Saul is going to receive a miracle. Saul is going to be approached by this Ananias, and Ananias is going to heal him of his vision issues. Now that's pretty amazing as well. It's another miracle that takes place in Saul's life. And I've had people tell me before that things unexplainable have happened to them. So they must, they must be saved if great and amazing things are happening in their life. Well, that didn't save Saul of Tarsus. The miracle of receiving his sight didn't save him. Conversations with Jesus didn't save him. Fasting and praying didn't save Saul because Jesus, it's written in red in my Bible, Jesus told Saul, you've got to be told what you need to do. And Jesus wasn't going to tell him. Ananias was going to tell him. And not only is he, is, he, is he told all these great things and wonderful things he's going to accomplish, his eyesight is restored and he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, what does that mean? If you'll go back to the book of Acts, you'll see something very similar to this in Acts chapter 2. And if you fast forward another chapter, you're going to see it in Acts chapter 10 and explained in Acts chapter 11. And this is something that Jesus did to his disciples to let them know that they were empowered from on high to do ministry and to do work. But this is not a salvation experience. It still hasn't been told to him what he needed to do to be saved. Well, we see here in the text very clearly, it says in verse 11 that he, after receiving his sight, arose and was baptized. If you'll move through the book of Acts and go over to chapter 22 and verse 16, you'll see a little more from this story. In fact, everywhere Saul went, he liked to talk about his conversion story. He liked to tell people about this conversion experience. And when he's giving his defense in Acts chapter 22, he says that in verse 16, when Ananias came to him, he said, And now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins calling on the name of the Lord. 
That was the message that Ananias gave him in Acts chapter 9. Ananias said to Saul, what are you waiting on? He's been fasting and praying for three days. He's been asking for God to save him. And Ananias says, what are you waiting for? In other words, don't wait any longer. It's time to get up and it's time to be baptized. Now, that's really an amazing statement from Paul in Acts 22. But if we've read the book of Acts, we know it's consistent. In Acts 2, when asked the question by the men, what do we need to do to be saved? Verse 37, verse 38, Peter replies with repent. What had Saul done? He had repented. He fasted and prayed. And then Peter says, and be baptized for the remission of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, that's what happened to Saul here. Saul realizes he needs to repent. He realizes he needs to be baptized, and it is Ananias who's going to have to give that message, not Jesus. But you know, it's not just Acts 2 where we find this consistency. We see it in Acts chapter 8 with Philip, whether he's preaching to those in Samaria or whether he is preaching to the Ethiopian eunuch. Both he's preaching and teaching about baptism. We move on in, not only from this story in Acts 9, but to another in chapter 10 of Cornelius. We can go to Acts chapter 18. We can go to Acts chapter 19. We can read Paul's words in Corinthians, in Galatians chapter 3. In nearly every book that Paul wrote, he has to emphasize at some point the necessity of baptism. He does it in Romans chapter 6. Now, why would Paul consistently teach about baptism? because it is what was told to him that he needed to do if he wanted to be saved. I know it's a tough subject, and some of you may say, well, I, I really wish I knew more about baptism. Keep reading the book of Acts. I had a lady here not long ago, and she came to our church building. She had watched the program, and she called the office, and she spoke to Billy, and she said, I really, really want to talk to somebody about baptism. And Billy said, absolutely. And she said, we, she said, I have a friend who studied the book of Acts, and she wants to be baptized. And he said, come on up. I met with her, Billy met with her, and we baptized her into Christ. She had read her Bible, and she knew it was something that was of necessity. It was not something to put off. Now, Saul of Tarsus was saved because he did what Ananias told him to do. He did what Jesus had instructed him to do. He listened to Ananias. Ananias said, you need to get up and be baptized. And Saul did it. Well, you know, if I want to be saved like Saul, I probably better follow the same plan that Saul did. I think I need to study a little bit more about baptism. And I think you need to study a little bit more about baptism. What does it mean? How is it practiced? We're going to have more lessons in the future on this great subject. But we want to encourage you to study your Bible, this subject, and many other subjects that will not just change your the way you live your life, but could change you, hopefully, for all eternity. Thank you so much for tuning in. I tell you, this was just a blessing to be able to participate in this great work and ministry, and hope that you've been blessed by this particular broadcast on Getting to Know Your Bible. Uh, again, I want to encourage you to go to gettingtoknowyourbible.com, and you can sign up for a free Bible correspondence course. You can see where we are available in your area, either through Dish Network, DirecTV, ATT UVerse, or on a local programming channel. And uh, continue to tune into this. I know Billy is on there most of the time. Uh, he hosts this program, does a great job. Occasionally I will fill in and uh, hope that, that it will be a blessing.
blessing to everyone who tunes in and everyone involved with the program. Love to have your help financially too as well. If you'd like to learn more about that, you can go to gettingtoknowyourbible.com and see how you can be a partner with us in this particular ministry. Uh, Again, thank you so much for tuning in and hope that you are blessed by this program. I look forward to being with you again next time. Be sure and hit that subscribe button so that you can keep up with original content and you'll know when we are about to post something. Also, check out the rayreynoldswrap.com website where there are weekly blogs. Sometimes there are two blogs a week, uh, free books that are available to you, Bible study guides that have been downloaded hundreds and hundreds of times. Appreciate your support for that. And also, you can see some of our ministry partners and click some links to their particular sites. I hope you are blessed and remember to keep things positive and practical. I'm Ray Reynolds and that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning into today's broadcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get updates on original content each week. Follow us on social media at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, TikTok, YouTube, and check out our website at rayreynoldsrap.com. Also, if you'd like to suggest a topic for an upcoming broadcast, or if you'd like to email me a question, or if you have a prayer request, you can send that to rayreynoldsrap at gmail.com. Have a great day, and may the Lord bless you as you seek to live an authentic life in Christ Jesus.